0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you have a life that's characterized by transformation into Christ-likeness? Are you growing more and more to be like Jesus Christ our Lord? Let's open now to Romans chapter 12 and look at this incredible principle of biblical transformation. Good morning and welcome to another teaching It's a Saturday morning here and uh, hope everyone's doing well uh, today we're going to discuss Romans twelve and uh, we may just do verses one and two um, this is a uh, this is a chapter of the Bible it's twenty one verses and the uh, just the depth of this chapter is overwhelming the first the first two verses just speak to tremendous theological principles there are somewhere around 22 qualities in verses 9 to 21 to help us you know walk out our transformation into Christ likeness but uh, it's it's just amazing so i mean hopefully this will be a a little faster a little quicker teaching again uh, we may just try to get through verses 1 and 2 today maybe 3 So we'll see where we go so father we do thank you for this time we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives holy spirit we ask you to open our hearts now and lead us and guide us as we as we open these incredible verses in the word of god lord jesus we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives we invite you into this time father we pray that your kingdom would come now and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven father thank you for the word of god We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we're we're in the book of Romans. We're in uh, chapter 12, and I'm going to read just verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When Paul says, therefore, we can look back over the first 11 chapters of this book. Uh, some have said that this book of Romans may be the the greatest piece of written literature in human history. The book of Romans gives us a tremendous understanding of all that it means of what Jesus has done for us on our behalf and in our place. In the Gospels, we're given a history of Jesus's birth, life, death, and resurrection. We're given four historical accounts of all the things that Jesus said and Jesus did. But here, as we move into Romans now, Paul is giving us something different. He's given us an understanding of what it means that Jesus came into this world for you and I. He's given us an understanding of what it means that Jesus died on the cross on our behalf and in our place. It gives us an understanding of what it means that Jesus has been raised from the dead. So Paul now uh, in this book of Romans is opening up an understanding of the gospel that's um, you cannot you cannot put words to it. Again, many a scholar have said this is their favorite book of the Bible. You know, Romans, the book of Romans, and in the first eleven chapters, Paul has has given us an understanding of all that it means. Again. That Jesus came into this world for us, that he lived a perfect life for us, that he died a perfect death for us, and that he is now alive and risen. And when you move into the last five chapters, verses 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16, Paul's now going to move into how we ought live in light of all that. Meaning, based on all that Christ has done for us, In our understanding of that now from the first 11 chapters, beginning in verse 12, he's going to now explain to us how we are to live in light of all that Jesus has done for us. So when he says in verse one, therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Therefore, he's saying, in light of all that I've just told you, in light of the incredible understanding that's just been unpacked of all that it means and of what Christ has done for you and what it means that you're forgiven based on what Jesus has done, when you put your trust in what Jesus Christ has done, all of your sin, past, present, and future is credited to Christ and his perfect righteous life is credited to you. There is no condemnation for you. There is no guilt. There's no shame. Everything has been put to the cross of Christ. And God the Father sees you as holy and righteous in his sight. If you've, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And, and, he, and he gives just countless examples of that in, in just the most powerful way. Uh, again, it's, it's Romans. And he says, therefore, so in, in light of all that you've just read in light of the incredible insight that we have and understanding that we have into all that Jesus has done for us, he says, therefore, I urge you. Father, I do ask you to forgive me that I I consistently don't live with this urgency that Paul is talking about. To truly have an understanding, a consistent understanding of all that Jesus has done for us There ought to be an urgency in our lives to do what it says here. Um, We ought to be consistently living with this sense of urgency that we want to live for Jesus today. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers. This isn't just a, uh, a request. He's saying that this is something that we absolutely need to do in light of our understanding of truly all that Jesus Christ has done for us. It's urgent that now we want to, to, with this understanding, live in this way. Now, again, it's important to understand that, that this doesn't save us. He's made it extremely clear in the first 11 chapters of Romans. There's nothing we do that saves us, that we are completely hopeless. And our only hope is to put our full trust, confidence, and faith in Jesus Christ alone In chapter 10, he tells us that we need to call on the name of Jesus for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So simply, we call out to Jesus. We ask him to come into our heart, be the Lord of our life, save us from our sin, putting our full faith, trust, and confidence in him alone. And that's how we're saved. That's how our sins are forgiven. That's how God the Father becomes our Heavenly Father. That's how Jesus becomes our Lord and Savior by completely trusting and relying on what Jesus has done. Now, in light of all that, because of his tremendous love for us, Paul is telling us, therefore I urge you brothers, have a, have a sense of urgency in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says that we're to do this in view of God's mercy. We ought to be consistently living our lives with a view of God's mercy. What is mercy, Scott? Mercy is when we do not get the punishment that we deserve from God. Mercy is when we are not given punishment that we certainly do deserve. He's merciful to us. He doesn't discipline us or punish us as we truly deserve to be. That's mercy. And Paul uses this specific word. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, having a view that the Lord has been so merciful to you and I, he has not in any way treated us as we deserve to be treated. The truth is that as human beings, um, we deserve hell. And that's a hard word. But that's what our deeds deserve. But in Jesus Christ, we are complete and total objects of mercy. There's nothing that we are that deserves the love of our Heavenly Father. There's nothing that we've done that deserves Him loving us. There's nothing that we've done that deserves Jesus dying for us. We are completely and totally objects of mercy. And if we can think about that, and consistently have a view of the mercy of God in our lives. And, and how much he's loved us, not because of us, but in spite of us. That will tremendously serve us. You'll remember in Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus is giving the Beatitudes or the attitudes that we ought to have as Christians. One of them is, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. You want to consistently and increasingly live your life in view of God's mercy so that you yourself will act in a way that's merciful. We have not been treated as our sins deserve, and so we want to consistently act in a way that extends mercy to other people, that we're consistently acting in a forgiving way. And that's it cannot be overstated. He actually is going to exhort us to do all this with a view of God's mercy. So when I step back and I think, Lord, you have been so merciful to me, I am going to now reasonably live this life in view of your mercy. Father, help us to consistently live our lives in view of your mercy. And Father, I ask you to forgive us where we have failed in this. Therefore, I urge you, it's urgent, brothers, in view of God's mercy, To offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What is a living sacrifice? You'll remember in the Old Testament, there was a sacrificial system where the Lord put in this system where you you would sacrifice a lamb or a goat or a bull or a ram. And what would happen is you would bring that goat And you would bring it to the priest and he would put it on the altar and he would slit the animal's throat animal would bleed out and the animal would die and that would for a time cover over your sin it could never take away your sin but the animal would die so that you wouldn't have to die right the animal's death was was temporarily given in your place so when the lamb was put on the altar It would be killed and sacrificed, and the blood that would shed would temporarily cover over your sin. And that was a picture of the coming Savior, Jesus Christ, who's called the Lamb of God. Jesus ultimately gave his life on the cross for you and for me, except his death and his shed blood doesn't cover over our sin It completely takes away our sin. It forgives all of our sin, past, present, and future, as if we never did it. It's this incredible picture. The point of this is that the very nature of a sacrifice was that it died. But here we're told to offer our lives, our bodies, our minds as living sacrifices. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something we do that, that costs us something, right? It's, it's a sacrifice. And so we need to live our, our lives as what's called a living sacrifice. We're not dead, we're alive, but we're consistently dying to ourself and our own wants, our own desires, our, our own uh, sinful desires that we have, right? The ways we want to live, the ways we want to talk that are not pleasing to the Lord in view of the mercy the Lord has shown us in forgiving us, we want to be a moment by moment, day by day, living, alive, sacrifice. We are where we are consistently dying to worldly habits, worldly thoughts, and living it says, holy and pleasing to God, where we are consistently adjusting our lives to what the Bible says. We're consistently growing and maturing to behave in ways that the Bible tells us to behave, to think in ways the Bible tells us to think, to speak in ways that the Bible tells us to speak, and to repent and ask forgiveness where we fail in that, where, where we're not a living sacrifice, where we, where we act in, in sinful and proud ways. Father, I, I ask you to forgive us and help us as your people in view of your mercy to live our lives and offer our lives as a living sacrifice in a way that's truly holy and pleasing to you. Help us Lord Jesus. The verse ends by saying this is your spiritual act of worship. Generally the word spiritual when it's used in the in the scriptures it means mature. Another version says this is your reasonable act of worship. As a a Christian who's received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is the only reasonable or mature way for you to live with an understanding that you want to increasingly live in a way that's pleasing to your Father. Again, this has nothing to do with saving you. You don't do this in any way to help yourself go to heaven. There's nothing you can do. You can only go to heaven by trusting entirely in what Jesus has done for you. But in light of that, knowing all that Jesus has done for you, knowing the tremendous mercy you've been shown, this is really what's the mature way to behave. This is a reasonable way to behave where you're consistently living in a way now that's holy and pleasing to God, where you are a living sacrifice, where you are consistently putting sinful desires and sinful ways and sinful words, you're consistently trying to walk away from them to live in a way that the Bible tells you to live in, live in a way that's pleasing to God. And then there are countless ways that we can do this. Um, Most of us have a problem with our language, with our tongues, with the way we speak. Perhaps we use uh, inappropriate language. Perhaps we're condescending. Perhaps we're prideful in our thoughts and our words, and we want to just repent in all of these things, right? There are just so many different ways that we want to be a, a living sacrifice. The things that we put in, the things that we watch on TV, sometimes we need to make a sacrifice and not watch things that are inappropriate. And uh, And Father, I ask you to help us in all these things. Help us, Father, in view of your mercy to offer ourselves, our bodies as living sacrifices, Lord. To, It's hard for us, Father, to make a sacrifice because we just want to do what we want to do. So we ask you to help us, Lord Jesus, to live in a way, a sacrificial way that's holy and pleasing to you. And it says this is your spiritual act of worship. Most of us, when we think of the word worship, all we think about is when, we, when we're when we in church and when we're singing songs, right? We're standing, we're singing songs, we're raising our hands. And, and certainly that is a part of worship. But when Paul is saying worship here, he's not speaking anything about singing, right? Going to church and singing songs is an act of worship. But here we find the word worship used. And literally what it means is every single action in your life can Be an act of worship or not. When you behave in this way, Paul says, this is you maturely worshiping God, okay? A mature Christian worships the Lord in everything they do by adjusting their thinking, their speaking, and their deeds and their actions to the will of your heavenly Father, to the will of Jesus by the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is your spiritual, your reasonable act of worship. This is the way you worship Jesus moment by moment, day by day, is by adjusting everything you do to his will. By conforming your will to his will is how you worship him moment by moment, day by day. And when you repent because you know you've behaved in a way that hasn't been pleasing to him, you're worshiping him. So we can have worship, true worship of our Father in everything we do. Now, there are other, there are postures of worship. It's a good thing to get down on your knees and worship the Lord and fold your hands together. A posture of worship is a good thing. Uh, We, uh, in our ministry, we just got through, uh, I was telling, I was telling all the guys and everybody that with your young children, Uh, before they go to bed. Get down on your knees and fold your hands and and show them this posture of worship, of humbling ourselves before Jesus and and praying to Jesus before you you go to sleep, that your children might remember their parents doing this with them when they were young. And again, posturing ourselves in an act of worship helps us. Now, it's important to understand the Lord is more concerned with, with the posture of our hearts than he is with our bodies but what our bodies do affect our souls and our spirit. So uh, again, it's good for you to at times get down on your knees and worship the Lord. But again, it's not that you have to be down on your knees. Everything you can do, everything you do do or say or speak can be an act of worship uh, or not. When I do things that are my own will, my own ways, um, that are not consistent with the the word of God or Jesus, the son of God or the heart of God, then, then obviously I'm not worshiping him. I'm, I'm worshiping myself and my own desires and my own wants. This is your spiritual act of worship. Father, help us to worship you moment by moment, day by day, in all of our actions and words and deeds. Verse two, and we, real, we will only get through two verses today. Verse two, how do you do this? Verse two, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The first thing he tells us is do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Uh, This world has a pattern of sinful living, right? The world we live in uh, has a consistent pattern of selfish, self-serving, sinful living, right? Uh, We live in a world where we wanna do what feels good, when we wanna do it, how we wanna do it. It's a completely self-serving world we live in. It's a dog-eat-dog world. There is a pattern of this world. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Worldly living, worldly thinking, worldly speaking. There's a pattern, and we want to break that pattern. You don't want to conform to the pattern of the world. You want to conform to the pattern of the Word of God and the Son of God in every aspect of your life. And in order to do that, he says, But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the most incredible scriptures in the Bible to be transformed. It's, we get the word metamorphosis, right? And you think of a butterfly that goes from a caterpillar, which is a very unappealing thing, to this incredible, beautiful, elegant, light, joyful, beautiful butterfly, but be transformed. That transformation from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Scientists say there's no element of the caterpillar left when the transformation is complete. When you come to Jesus Christ and put your faith in Jesus, your spirit is completely transformed. You become alive, spiritual life comes into you, and you're a new creation. It says you want to be transformed. You wanna go through this lifelong process of metamorphosis becoming more and more and more like Jesus in everything you do, and it says that that happens by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is where your thinking is. It's where your thoughts are. So how do we renew our mind? Again, we can renew our mind in everything. You renew your mind when you think about Jesus, when you think about his will, when you think about his love, when you think about His mercy. The the, the first way you renew your mind is by putting your mind on Jesus. By thinking about Jesus. Thinking about his love for you. Thinking about the gospel. Thinking about what he's done for you. That's why we stand and worship in church and we praise him and we worship him. That's an act of renewing your mind. But you can do this all day long. You renew your mind By taking your mind off the things of the world, taking your mind off your own sinful desires and pleasures, right? Taking your mind off what you want to do that you know is contrary to the will of God and the word of God. And putting your mind on Jesus and on his will and on his word. So the greatest tool you have to renew your mind is your Bible. When you spend time in your Bible, reading your Bible, studying your Bible, meditating on the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, you are renewing your mind. You're putting the living word of God in your mind. And that begins to renew it, to make it new, to transform your mind from a worldly thinking mind, from a mind of frustration and irritation and hurt and pain and agitation to a mind that walks in love and peace and patience. It's incredible. There's no words for it. Wow. Father, we just ask you to help us in this process, Lord, to to really, to work to not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Help us, Father, to be transformed more and more to be like Jesus by renewing our mind. Help us, Father, to walk in this process of renewing our mind. Thank you, Father. Another way you renew your mind is prayer and thanksgiving and repentance. Again, in any way, when you're talking to Jesus, when you're talking to your heavenly Father, when you're confessing sin in your life, when you're thanking the Holy Spirit for all of his goodness and mercy in your life, when you're thanking your Father, when you're thanking Jesus for all he's done for you, All of this is a process of renewing your mind. It's a lifelong process of being transformed so that more and more and more you're becoming like Jesus every day and less and less and less like the world. They're diametrically opposed. So you want to be increasingly transformed to be like Jesus to, to live in a way and think in a way that the Bible tells us. Thank you, Father. Father, help us to, to, to walk with you moment by moment, day by day, renewing our mind. Mm. And the result of this, second half of verse 2, Paul said, Then, then you will be able, as you begin to live in this process of not conforming to the world, Abstaining from worldly living, engaging in this transformation process, becoming like Jesus by renewing your mind, renewing your thinking, and then acting on your thinking. We have to renew our thinking to what the Word of God says, but then we have to live it out. We want to we take what the Word of God says. We want to put it into our minds. We want to think about it, and then we want to put it into practice. We want to live it out in our in our speaking, and in our our deeds, and in our actions. And as we do that, and as we do it more and more, Paul tells us, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you see a tremendous cause and effect relationship here. That the more you devote yourself to Jesus, the more you devote yourself to renewing your mind in him the more you devote yourself to putting your mind on him and again to put my mind on jesus i have to take it off me and my wants and my desires and lord i confess that's hard for me because i think about myself and my problems and my frustrations and my irritations and injustice is done to me and just the whole thing my mind is on that father just just consistently. And I ask you to forgive us, Father. Forgive me. Help us, Father, to take our minds off ourselves that we may renew them by thinking about Jesus and the love that you've given us and the mercy you've shown us. Help us to think about the Word of God, Father. And as we do that more and more, it says we'll be able to test and approve the will of God in every situation, The goal of your life is that in every waking moment, wherever you are, with whomever you're with, is to increasingly test and approve the will of your heavenly Father in everything. You want to know the will of God in every situation, and the more transformed you are, the more you go through this metamorphosis of being like Jesus, the more you'll be able to test and approve what the will of God is in everything. It says his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Wow. These are two verses in Romans chapter 12. And uh, they're just, they're overwhelming in their content, in their substance, in their meaning. Father, we ask you to help us in this. Help us, Father, to walk with urgency today. Help us, Lord Jesus, to do it in view of God's mercy, Lord, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit, as we leave today to consistently offer our lives and bodies and minds as a living sacrifice, Lord, that's holy and pleasing to you. Help us to worship you in this manner and in this way, moment by moment, day by day, and help us to repent where we've fallen short. Help us not to conform to the pattern of this world, Lord, to the thinking of this world, to the manner of this world, Lord. Lord, but help us to be transformed, to be changed, to be made like Jesus more and more in our daily lives by renewing our mind, by putting our mind on you, Lord Jesus, and on your word and on your ways. Lord Jesus, help us to take our mind off ourselves and our lives and our interests and our pleasures and our desires and help us to to put our minds on you, Lord. And Lord, when you show us, Lord, things in ways. Help us to live them out, Lord, to think about them so that we can increasingly practice them, Lord, that we might be able to increasingly test and approve what is your good and pleasing and perfect will in every aspect of our lives. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We love you. We bless you. We praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.